Welcome to a special episode on Ponzi-nomics. In this episode, we're going to uncover the economics of crypto Ponzi. Of course, Ponzi-nomics is not only applicable to crypto Ponzi, it can also be applied to any other kind of Ponzi scams. It's just that with crypto, you have a little bit more interesting ways of creating these Ponzi scams. Now, before I begin, I really do want to caution that economics, all these incentive design, all these mechanism design, all these, you know, this framework that I've produced of the token economics design to build your ecosystem, these are all just tools. Ponzi is where people use these tools for bad reasons. And the bad reason can be simply only gaining, only increasing your gains or increasing your returns when people come and join. So economics is inherently is not a bad thing. It's just like technology. It is by itself not a bad thing. It's a neutral thing. It's a way, it's a means to an end. But when people misuse this means, that's where it becomes a bad thing. So in posinomics, I just want to share that it's still economics, but economics used in a wrong way. And the purpose of this video is that there's a lot of Ponzi scams out there right now, crypto or not crypto. And the thing is, a lot of people don't understand what is a Ponzi scam, how is this whole Ponzi-nomics being created, and what are the different mechanisms at play. So what I've done is to, you know, go back to the fundamentals of all these Ponzi scams, deconstruct it because that's what I do, and to compile them into some easy to understand ways of how do you identify the economics of Ponzi scams. And then there you know that's a scam, and don't put your money into that. So we're going to cover a couple of things today. Number one, what is a Ponzi scam? This is funny because just last week, I, I hosted a webinar on DeFi. And in DeFi, the part that I was talking about was that DeFi is more than just Ponzi. So if you Google Ponzi and crypto or you Google DeFi and crypto, you get a lot of these articles saying that DeFi is all a scam, DeFi is all Ponzi. Sure, no doubt. For every good things that's out there, there's going to be an uh, equal amount of bad things out there too. So it is not to, but this doesn't discredit the entire ecosystem that DeFi is all bad. DeFi on its own has a lot of benefits. All these mechanisms that we're testing out, all these experiments that we're showing, it's so fun. And there's a lot of potential in the future to be using this in a bigger scale, in a more mass adoption scale. But that is not to say that there are some projects out there that are just a scam. That they are trying to scam gullible people, saying that this is going to change the future, but it's not. So I just want to differentiate that. DeFi as a whole, crypto as a whole, lots of potential. But some people misuse them and use them as scams or scam, use it to scam people. So just be careful. And that's why I want to make the distinction. So number one, we're going to cover what makes it a Ponzi scam. Number two, we're going to cover Ponzi-nomics. So the three fundamentals to Ponzi-nomics, Ponzi the economics of Ponzi. The classical economics or the foundations of classical economics is supply, demand, and I would say opportunity cost. So with Ponzi-nomics, what will be the fundamentals of economics? Let's take a look. Then I will go into the 10 Ponzi-nomics methodology. They're not, they're, it's not exactly a checklist where you can check them all and say oh, this is a Ponzi, but more of the, the different types of methods that they use to scam people out of their money. Number four, we're going to look at two different case studies. We're going to look at the YFFI scam and the sushi swap. I, I think it's still too early to say if it's a scam or not, but let's see how do they fit into the Ponzi-nomics. And lastly, I'm going to conclude with how can you protect yourself? Because all this, this entire episode is to teach you what Ponzi-nomics is about and how can you protect yourself and how can you not fall into scams? Because 
for this entire ecosystem to grow, we have to attract more people to come in to be learning this new technology. At the same time, we have to protect them so that protect them and you and me, all of us. We have to protect ourselves from all these bad projects out there, misguiding the people, misrepresenting the industry, misrepresenting all this goodness that DeFi can bring and tokenization can bring. So that's the whole purpose of this video. So let's get started. Now, what makes it a Ponzi scam? As I mentioned once again, not everything in DeFi is a Ponzi scam. Some are Ponzi, some are not. So let's get, let's go all the way back to the beginning. What is a Ponzi scam? Crypto aside, what is a Ponzi scam? Firstly, it has insane returns. It has this guarantee that, oh, you know, like BitConnect that says you, you will get 1% every single day. How do they get their money? No one knows. No one cares. Everyone knows that if I'm in, in it and I bring a lot of people in, everyone's going to earn 1% every single day. So it's just insane returns, insane appreciation. And that could, if you don't do your own due diligence and the money, if, and you realize that the money is only coming in because more people are joining the system, that's where it's a Ponzi scam. You know, there's no val economic value being added by joining your network. And then, yeah, so the returns are also from the new network growth. So the existing network doesn't create any value at all. The money is only increasing. The returns are only appreciating because someone else joins. So that's not good because it's not sustainable, right? You get more and more people to join so that the top gets more money or the top or people before that gets, gets a share of it. And then new, new people can only get returns when other people join. So you're basically cheating the, the last person over there. And then what happens? Usually what happens is that the founder will walk away with the returns. So he has collected a lot of these, these um, tokens or a lot of these money and then he just leaves. And then you have a massive drop in prices. So in traditional Ponzi scam, you know, the, usually they don't just leave like that. Usually it's, it's, collect, it's together with some multi-level marketing thing. And so the founder will always keep getting money. In crypto, it's slightly different because it's distributed. You don't have someone above you. If there's someone above you to be sharing profits and everything, you, you should probably get out because it's probably definitely a scam. But in crypto, it's usually more decentralized. So the only way for, for the founders to be getting all the returns is that he has tokens, uh, his initial tokens earlier, or he has, yeah, he has some tokens that he can get access to, and then he dumps it all in the market, sells it out, and then leaves. So he leaves, with all the, he leaves with all the returns. What happens after that? Because he dumps so much into the market, there is a massive drop in prices. Everyone is trying to get out and the person get, and at the end, the only, the losers will be the last one standing. So if you think about it as, you know, when you're young, you play musical chairs. So there are like five chairs and there's six of you. When the music stops, everyone has to get the chair. The last person who, who doesn't get the chair is out of the game. So it's something like that. The, the last one standing will lose. So in, in Ponzi scams, that's how it works. That's how they steal your money. And that's why you, we don't want that. We don't want to encourage such, such behaviors. So how is DeFi linked to Ponzi then? So in DeFi right now, what we're seeing is DeFi in general. I'm not talking about any specific projects. We're seeing aggressive community growth. We're seeing aggressive returns. You know, they're all sh sharing like four to five digits, oh no, three to four, percentage digits of annual, annual percentage yield. That's very high compared to everything else that you can see in traditional, traditional finance, right? That's a very insane returns. Then you have everyone on, on Twitter or on Discord or on Reddit or 
um, other forums out there, they're just constantly selling this project, whatever project that is. Like, this is the best project in the world, you need to put your money in, and it's constant, it's constant shilling. And lastly, it just feels like they're just printing money out of thin air. Where's this money coming from? Where's this token coming from? How does this token have, have any utility value? Because it's just out of nowhere. So that's why it feels quite like Ponzi, and I completely get that. At the same time, you have to understand that not every DeFi project is a Ponzi scam. Some DeFi projects are actually building value. They're building economic value, accruing, accruing a lot of value. And this, way, and this tokenization is a way to be increasing the network effects, to increase the thickness of the market, to increase community growth. So for good projects, this Ponzi-nomics thing kind of is a way of growth hacking. For bad projects, Ponzi-nomics is really, really just Ponzi. What do I mean? Okay, let's go. Let's let's start to break Ponzi-nomics down a little bit more. So, what is Ponzi-nomics? Ponzi-nomics in general has three steps, and it all starts with the sell the sell side liquidity crisis. So, step one, you have very, very, very low supply. Step two, your prices increase somehow so it could be just you making a lot of transactions to the, the very little supply and it increases pricing or it could be you having you doing some stuff to to have this short-term price increase and then step three is you create this demand so people, you start tapping into people's formal you start tapping into you start tapping into telling people okay the prices are increasing now the supply is getting less and less and less and you better take on this token right this tokens right now because they're going to appreciate in the future. So there are a lot of tactics and we're going to talk about them a little bit later. But in general, Posinomics is just trying to induce this sell side liquidity crisis. What does that mean? Sell side means you know the supplier side. So things that comes from the supplier side. Liquidity crisis means there's not enough in the place. So sell side liquidity crisis means that there isn't enough tokens for sale for everyone to buy, which is the lack of supply. How do we do that? You know, we can do this by reducing supply and then increasing demand in these three steps. Just dive in a little bit deeper. So first part is to limit circulating supply. Now, if we go back to the, the economics design framework, we have three different design, right? We have the market design, which is the design of the environment. We have mechanism design, which is the design of these rules that all these participants and tokens have to play by. And then we have token design, which is the design of the token. And in token design, we have this thing called token policy, which is basically monetary policy plus, plus token, internal token valuation. Okay, a lot, of a lot of talking, what does that mean? It just means that token supply is one of the, the key considerations in designing your ecosystem, in analyzing how robust or how good or how, how much of a scam this ecosystem is. So let's take a look at token supply. Now, with token supply, which is part of the token design, which is part of the token economics and token monetary economics, we have three ways to look at token supply. The first one is a fixed supply. The second one is an increasing supply. And the third one is a reducing supply. So fixed supply means there's 21 million Bitcoins in the world. That's it. No more, no less. That's it. No one's going to be printing more. And this, that's how much the system will produce. Increasing supply will be stuff like Ethereum. Know, it just increases every time a block is being minted or a block is being validated and then we have the last one which is a decreasing supply so the system will automatically be burning some tokens 
and the, the supply will just be decreasing. So these are the three general broad picture of supply. But when we talk about Ponzinomics, we have to go a bit deeper. We have to understand what are the, the, the more micro mechanisms for these tokens or for the supply. So there are three ways to look at the supply. The first one is pre-mining. So pre-mining is for, for example, we have a pre-sale and we are giving to our initial investors. It could be VCs, it could be your friends and families, but there's a pre-sale aspect. So with the pre-sale aspect, then we call that pre-mining. So people will be buying the tokens at a cheaper price, they will get the tokens first, and you know they probably have to invest it for six months, 12 months, whatever. So they, they buy the tokens first, and they get the tokens first, they have, don't have to do anything, the ecosystem is not really being built yet, there's no tokens out there. Pre-mine, they keep it. They have to keep it for X amount of time, and it's over there. The second type is the initial allocation and issuance. So this is usually to the team members. So for example, um, the developers on the space, the founders, the marketing people, the, the whatever. So there's the initial distribution of these tokens. Usually they're also vested. So they're being kept for 24 months and every six months, some of the tokens can be released so that people can be selling it. Think of it kind of like equity, right? If you join a startup and you get some payments in salary, but you also get some of these equity share of, of a company. So for example, Airbnb. Airbnb employees get some, some equity of Airbnb or some stakes of Airbnb. And when it's listed, they can sell it. And lastly, you have ongoing inflation. So this is only for the case study of supply that increases. The, the general, the macro view, the big picture of supply increasing. Then we have to talk about ongoing inflation as well. Because as inflation increases, or if there is an ongoing inflation, it means that the supply increases. So these, these are three things to think about when we're talking about limiting the circulating supply. For Ponzinomics, it's quite easy, right? You have a bunch of things to pre-mine, you have some initial allocation, and then you have no, no inflation. Why? Then you're really allocating tokens to the, pe the, the people, so it could be, could be you as the scammer, keeping all the tokens, and then you don't have no inflation, so there'll be a forced amount of lack of supply, and that's, that's, if you go back to our first point of the lack of supply, that's how you, how you, you get to deal with it. The second thing is to drive demand. So in economics, one of the first laws that was created was by this economist called Says, and Says said that supply creates demand. And then Keynesian came about, which is basically the father of modern economics today, and he said, no, demand creates supply. So this is where we have to come in to talk about demand. If we go back to the, the economics framework that I, I designed again, the first part is token po monetary policy, right? The token policy. The second one is financial incentive. These are the different variables and things to be driving demand for your tokens. So we're talking about financial incentives, we're talking about returns to stake, return to investment, platform activities, all these kind of things to be driving demand. So there's three ways to be driving demand in crypto in general. So you have you get to invest in a token. So the, the token is like an investment token. You can, you can hold the token for a long time and then the token will appreciate in value because the token accrues value from the network or the, the token accrues value somehow and then gives it back to you so you get to invest it. So it's like an, it's like an Apple share or a Tesla share. It rises in value. The second one is to trade. So the trade is to hold the token for a short period of time and then you can trade it because you can make money for a short period of time. 
and this could be stuff like Empathoth token. I created a video on Empathoth, and some people, expert traders, can be doing trading of Empathoth token in the short run on the secondary market to look at arbitrage. That's a sec that's a more technical thing that I'm not going to talk about, but that's one way to drive demand. And lastly, you know, if the token is helping you to do some work. So for example, when we talk about liquidity mining, we talk about yield farming, what we're talking about is that these tokens are being used in the ecosystem and they're helping us to mine more tokens. And so those are the different use cases of tokens to be driving demand. So work tokens, you can, it depends on how you want to look at it. It could be stuff like, um, you know, some, some projects have work token as a way to represent some, some form of productive work and then you can get returns from it. So for example, you can put ETH in your staking pool to be a validator and then you can be validating all the different nodes and you can, so the tokens are working for you and you can be getting some returns. Or work tokens can be stuff like putting the tokens into a liquidity pool. When people trade, you get to, it represents the amount of shares or amount of, of profits that you can, you can be receiving from that liquidity pool. So in general, this is work token. And when there's demand for these tokens or when you can create some demand, can drive some demand of these tokens, that increases the people's desire for wanting these tokens, right? Which is, which is going back to the, the step three of creating demand. So we have lack of supply, we have, we have lack of supply, so in general, price increase already. And then you also have the demand side push, which is increasing the demand of it, and then price increase again, plus the formal effect. So that in general is the, the, the basics, right? And then the third one I would say, because there's no, in traditional economics, I would say that, or classical economics, I would say the third one, the third foundational point is behaviors or opportunity cost. You know, it's opportunity cost that affects behaviors. But in crypto, it's slightly different. I just call it funky economics. So what we, what is, what Ponzi-nomics is doing is to create artificial demand or artificial demand inflation and supply liquidity crisis. So they reduce the supply via, you know, fixed amount of supply available via forced, forced staking. And then they increase the demand via this, you know, via stuff like the system has to purchase native tokens for the system to work or somehow getting other people to be taking the tokens away or demanding the tokens. And then they create this artificial price inflation via, via this mechanism. And then lastly, because a lot of these, at least for the Ponzi scams there that we see today, we're seeing a lot of them in these liquidity pools. And with these liquidity pools, it's quite easy to do some scams because as the point of liquidity pools, as I talked about in one of the episodes, I think it's episode 19 on autonomous market maker, liquidity pools are, are dynamic, right? They're very, they're very in, a very innovative way of getting things started. They're very dynamic. And they, are, they reflect the amount of liquidity in the pool, hence called liquidity pool, right? And when there's less of the token or more of the token, it will change the prices quite dramatically. So you can create artificial price inflation by changing the amount of tokens that's available in the pool. And with that, you have this artificial price inflation. And then with the whole false staking or cap amount of supply, then you have this, you have this supply liquidity crisis. Adding them together, they become Ponzi-nomics. But, 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 that is not just the only definition of Ponzi-nomics. The thing, about Ponzi, the thing about Ponzi scams is that the system itself doesn't create any form of value, any form of economic value at all. But 
so the only way to be getting money is through all these you know fake short-term things short-term hypes and then getting a lot of accruing a lot of value and then the, the guy just leaves the founder just leaves or doing all this kind of stuff and then and then not creating a sustainable way of growing the ecosystem growing the community what do i mean so going back to the the token economics framework that i created right or the economic design framework it's all about creating robust sustainable incentives within your ecosystem within your your internal economy so that the system can continue to grow so that so that the system can be accruing a lot of value these internal tokens are a way to represent the economic value the real economic value that's being created in this network when it's traded in secondary markets that's how we get price discovery and a monetary value to this economic value so in general this system works this you know this economic system works when it becomes ponzi when the the value the monetary value of this internal token only exists because of the secondary market pumps and dumps so whatever we're talking about here you know the the limit supply the drive demand in general they're good but when we combine them together and we create and we use them we exploit them in the secondary market if we use them in the, in the primary market so in your within your ecosystem it's fine it's perfectly fine it's okay okay some of them are scams just do your own due diligence but in general it's a lot safer however if you use all these mechanisms in the secondary market to create this kind of artificial demand inflation these kind of short-term price liquidity crisis that's what happens when that's that's how you get ponzi scams so the price reflection the price discovery reflection or the price increase and the price discovery it's not because of the internal ecosystem the internal the primary market that's driving the demand and growth it is just the funky economics that you're doing in the secondary market that is pushing up prices so much and that's where it becomes a scam so what all this is still quite fluffy and technical and i guess some people don't like it so let's go deeper into understanding the 10 consonomics mechanisms that i've discovered firstly the first one is very easy just frock something you know you know what frocking is right it's just a copy pasting of of the code there is almost zero innovation in there it's it's quite it's quite silly and i i don't don't really know why people buy into it but hey somehow it works so they must be doing something right so something could be as simple as sushi swap frocking uniswap why ffi or why fii frocking yfi in fact, this is a very well-known thing. You know, you can always fork something, something out there because number one, crypto is open source. Number two, it's all about experiments. There is no one system that is the be-all and all perfect system in the world. So you fork something, you change a little bit, you experiment a little bit, you see how we can improve the system. That's good. Like forking can be good. It's bad when you fork one of the systems, you pretend to be better, you didn't do any change, and then you start shilling and start doing some crazy hypes. That's when it becomes a scam. But if you're forking something and you don't make any changes, you're just keeping everything the same, then that's not innovation and that's probably a scam. The second thing, which is quite um, the longer list, is to list a token on Uniswap with the similar symbols, but then it's fake. So like YFI versus YFII. And then you have some you make some transactions in the liquidity pool so that you, you cheat these people who, who are new to are you know not crypto natives so or new to the crypto space and they see some transactions going on the price is like the price is so much lower than the original token and and they're like oh shit i must have found something really good i let me go and transact over there 
and all you have to do is just do some amount of transactions, you know, a couple of ETH worth of transactions in that liquidity pool, get some traction, get people to buy into the formal and the, the fear of missing out, and then you can take yourself out and you, you walk away with some money. So that's, that's one of the scams going on. So the equivalent would be, you know, going to a sneaker shop, thinking that the sneaker, this, going to a reputable sneaker shop, and then you see like a, I don't know what sneakers are these days, but like a Yeezy's one sneakers, and it's so much cheaper than, than what you've seen online. And that's usually, that's probably a scam. That's probably not the real, the real sneakers. So Uniswap or all these different decentralized exchanges, they're not there to do due diligence for you. They're there as a service platform, and then you just get to do your transactions based on that. So you have to do your own due diligence. Okay, so that's, that's uh, scam number two. Scam number three is, which I think is very popular, is to build a community via Twitter. So what you do is you, you just get um, an anonymous account, make it very meme-like, and then you start shilling different projects. And you show them with memes, you start, you start finding an enemy, so that your, you, you start finding an enemy after you fork your, your token, right? Or you fork the project, project, then you find an enemy so that you can ban all your communities together to hate against that enemy and you start shilling your project saying that, that that enemy is bad, there are a lot of problems with that, we are here for a better solution, join our community, um, and then here are some memes to laugh at. So that, that kind of works. People love that. So yeah, just be careful about anonymous accounts. On one hand, you know, anonymous is, being anonymous is, it's one of the core, kind of one of the core things in the crypto space, right? I mean, Satoshi is still anonymous. But it's also important to do your own due diligence and to understand how, like, are these people anonymous because they want to scam you or do, are they actually doing something really good and they don't want to put their face out too much? So that's something that you have to consider and you have to think about. The, yeah, the, the other one, the fourth one is, which is quite, quite popular, is to use the similar name of promising tokens. So YFI, as probably everyone has heard about, is a very promising token. Prices have soared and appreciated very much. At the same time, you have a lot of other weird tokens coming out, like YFII, YFFI, YFV, YFR, all this strange YF something. And they do that because they want to scam people in the space or they want to cheat people in the space saying that oh it's quite it's like oh we're like brothers and somehow we're affiliated because we have similar names no they're not the other thing is is shilling so you know there shilling it's on its own it's not bad right because it's how you grow your community that's how that's how you grow that's how you get network effects it's how growth hacking works and but you have to beware of what are they shilling about and you know where do they show and how often do they show and what are the content they're talking about. So common forums will be Discord, Twitter and Reddit where everyone will be talking about this, the different projects and you, especially on Reddit, I see a lot on Reddit where there are some subreddits where these new projects are just being shilled non-stop. And I don't really encourage that. In fact, if you see these subs, just leave those subs and go to some some of the more popular subs with better moderation. Because with Twitter, it's a bit more difficult because with Twitter, there's no form of moderation. Anyone can talk about whatever they want. So just be careful about the, the shield that you see. 
because there are also a lot of influencers on the space where they are paid to show all these projects. So be aware of what you, you read, be aware of the things that you see, and always do your own due diligence because it's very easy. This The shilling part is a way to drive demand, right? Step three is to drive demand for your tokens. So step one is the limiting supply. Step two is to you know, create some form of price appreciation with you can just be transacting on yourself by yourself. And then step four is to have all these shilling and this artificial demand, demand craze to get people to jump on board and catch on to your FOMO. So just be careful of what you read online and who, who you trust. The other one, which is quite, um, quite an interesting term, they're called, it's, it's called the rug pull liquidity move. So rug pull is where you know, you're sitting down and someone pulls the rug and you, you actually get hurt from the, the, the rug burn. So hence rug pull. And then liquidity move is a move, moving of, of liquidity, right? So what, how you do it? You list a new random token with the name that's similar to one of these popular ones, so one of the, the mechanisms that I mentioned earlier. You send, you trade with yourself, or you trade small amount, or you trade some, some amount so that there is traction, there's transactions on the, in the liquidity pool. And so it seems like a lot of people are buying, just create a lot of addresses and you can be doing that. And then price is pumping and pumping and pumping. Now, people are looking at that and saying, oh shit, okay, I want to get in on the action. I'll be putting money into that liquidity pool as well. And then you have more and more liquidity into, in that pool that's not your money anymore, right? Because you're doing a lot of transactions, you're taking your liquidity out. And then suddenly, what you do? You just take, you just remove all the liquidity in that pool and then you say goodbye to the losers. So that's one of the, one of the things that is, that is done to affect the supply side or the demand side or price appreciation side of this Ponzi-nomics mechanism. Another one is to, is to be listing tokens that will never be traded. So this could be listing, either listing by the project itself or by a scam that wants to take advantage of the project. So what do I mean? These projects are, so these projects, these tokens will never be traded. So for example, we are talking about a dual token economy. One token is going to be traded and another token, so one, one token is traded with the secondary market, the other token is used within the, the internal market. And they're not going to be traded, you know, they could be some form of whatever tokens that is only used within the market. And some people could just, because anyone can create a liquidity pool on Uniswap right now, all you have to do is just put some amount of tokens over there. Someone can create a fork of the internal token or someone can just start to list the internal token on on the liquidity on Uniswap or to create a liquidity pool for that, and then, and then, you know, you, you can just be swapping that. But it's not meant to be traded. It's not meant to be listed, ever. But someone just decides to. It's all decentralized, right? And it's all you know, free for all, all open source. And someone decides to just do that. And then when you add liquidity in there, you realize that oh, this was never meant to be traded at all. And then the person does a liquidity a rug pull liquidity move, and then all your liquidity is gone. So. These are some, like, these are very, very general, some general mechanisms that can be used. The other one, which is uh, quite, quite easy to spot, I guess, would be the switcher rule, which means with all these like, subreddits that's going on and, and all these projects shilling, usually with the real tokens, you have, you have the real tokens being talked about, right? So for example, I don't know, let's say Lisa is, Lisa token is a, it's a token that's being, there's a real token, there's a real value to that. And so I'm talking about it on Reddit, I'm talking about, about it on LinkedIn, 
and then some other people start to join the conversation and they put like a, a Lisa 2 token or, or instead of L-I-S-A, it's L-1-S-A. So it looks the same and you keep talking to, you keep associating the scam token with the real token, then you change the link of, oh, join this liquidity pool on Uniswap to get returns. And instead of the real liquidity pool of Lisa tokens, it's the fake liquidity pool, and that's how you get scammed again. So that's that's one of the mechanisms. Number number nine is okay. This one's a bit more more intricate, which is much more linked to the the long term Ponzi economics or Ponzi nomics. Okay, so first you have a pre sale. So you have you only have it to selected investors, and then you have a slow public token release. To allow, and that will be you know every every week I will only release I will only be minting ten new Lisa tokens. So whoever is in the Lisa token space, you get to get it. But the pre-sale, I've sold one million tokens. But in the public sale, I'm only doing ten Lisa tokens every single week. But you remember that there's already already one million tokens out there with this pre-sale. So what do they do? So as as we as we put it on Uniswap or any of these decentralized exchanges, then we are, this allows for anyone to just sell the token and provide liquidity, right? And this is where the pre-sale guys can come in to be dumping tokens into the market and it, the prices will tank and people, people initially people will be like, oh wow, so much, so many tokens and looking at the, the sale, it's like, that's the, the supply side is so little, I better start purchasing the sale. The tokens and it turns out it's a scam because it just doesn't work like that. With this mechanism, it's it's a way to be only rewarding the pre-sale guys and the losers will be those in the public token release part. Why? Because during the entire period, the pre-sale guys are going to be dumping the tokens in the market. Especially now, you don't you don't need centralized exchanges to be doing your KYC and approval. You just have decentralized exchanges with liquidity pools. And so these pre-sale guys will be dumping into the market. Some people will be purchasing it, or the public will be purchasing it, and that's it. There goes the money. That you got cheated, and that's a scam. And lastly, which is quite common, which I think is quite hilarious, we're all talking about you know due diligence, do your do your do your checks, understand what's going on. And one of the things that's out there is this thing called audits, audits of the smart contract. Now, audits of smart contracts are expensive because there are only so many people who knows how to code and then there are only so many people who, who understand how to edit, audit the contracts. So one thing that has been done is that a lot of people are just auditing their own contracts. So an anonymous developer anonymously audits their own contract and approves that it is being audited and it's a safe contract. I mean, bro, it doesn't work like that. So that's one of the other scams in the place as well. So they will have like a sign saying that, oh, it's audited. But turns out it's audited by the, by the person who created that. And the person is, is anonymous. How are you going to track him down? So that's, those are some, that's, that's the 10 different mechanisms or scam mechanisms that's out there. So what are some scams? So let's look at the YFFI scam. The prices, the prices um, dropped went from $620 all the way to $4.50. So there was a huge drop. And okay, you know what? Drops are drops doesn't mean scams, right? Drops could mean, you know, 
there's something wrong with the system and then the price discovery market says that it's not worth it anymore, blah, 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 whatever. But if you dig deeper, the Project 7 founders beginning began to start farming these this tokens before everyone else could start. So they had five hours ahead and they could be getting accruing a lot of these tokens. So that's the pre-mining stuff. Instead of pre-mining to investors, the founders pre-mine it and then they release it to the public. So it's going back to scam number nine, which is the pre-sale and slow public release. Instead of pre-sale, it's pre-mine. So that was the scam. YFII has similar stuff. It went from $1,124 and then dropped down to $140. So that's a huge jump as well. For the YFII scam, I didn't dig deeper into details, but if you want, please go ahead and let me know so I can share with everyone. And these are some of the scams. Now, I also want to talk about SushiSwap because it's um it's not exactly a scam. I think it's still too early to, to say that it's a scam. I, I did a, a big hypothesis about there. I don't maybe it's not a scam, but I don't think it will last for too long. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the Ponzinomics as the Ponzinomics of SushiSwap. Firstly, anonymous founder, which is fine, you know, anonymous founder. Bitcoin is also an anonymous founder. But what, what did he do? Over the weekend, he withdrew one fifteen million dollars in ETH, so fifteen million dollars in like worth of ETH from SushiSwap because he has the tokens and everything. And how does he get the tokens? Well, remember we have we talked about pre-mine. So scam number nine or Ponzinomics mechanism number nine is the whole pre-sale thing. Instead of pre-sale, what's what Chef Normi or the the anonymous founder what he did was to put ten percent of the total supply into this this thing called the developers fund which makes sense you know all these developers doing open source stuff they're working very hard and they, they deserve to be rewarded because they are they doing hard work so 10% so goes to the developer fund that in general is it's not a problem now this is where the Ponzi comes in or the scam comes in because who is the who has access to the developers fund well this anonymous guy and are, is there a vesting period? No. So anytime he wants to take the 10% out, he can. And does he have to get approval from other people with a multi-signature wallet? No, he's the only person doing that. So basically, he has access to 10% of the, of the sushi coin, sushi token. And he can, get, he can get access anytime he wants. He doesn't need anyone's approval. And he can take it out anytime he wants. So that's kind of what he did over the weekend. And he took it, he took it all out. Took 10% out. That's $15 million dollars. And then he transferred the ownership to someone else. And that's SushiSwap. I'm going to do a longer video analysis of that. If you're interested, just join our Patreon for the premium version. And lastly, how do you protect yourself? This is very important. How do you protect yourself knowing that there is this Ponzinomics out there that is done quite beautifully, to be honest? It's almost like an art. But how do you protect yourself? Number one, do your own research. Please, do your own research. Don't trust people in the market. Don't trust random Twitter holders. Don't trust the memes and and these whatever anonymous people. Don't trust the emojis. Do your own research. You can use these people as a form of your own research, but don't follow everything they say. Have your own judgment. Make your own judgment. Make your own decision. So one thing that that differentiates a Ponzi scam or Ponzinomics with actual economics is the founder's intent. If the intent is to scam you, then absolutely, Ponzinomics. If the intent is to actually grow the community and to, to create, to generate some form of value at economic value, 
to community and the economic value is represented by the token, then you know the chances of being a Ponzi is, is a lot less. So if you can figure out the founder's intent, it's very important. Do your own due diligence. Due diligence is not just about watching random videos, watching me talking about it, watching some random people talking about it, but actually do your own due diligence. Read people who are hyping it, read people who are shitting on it, combine the analysis together and find your own understanding. It's like understanding how the world works, understanding about geopolitics. You can't just go to one newspaper to find out the answer. You have to do your own due diligence to understand a little bit more, to get different perspectives. Next, understand the risk. Now, this market is very, very risky. So you have to understand the risk. You have to understand what you're in for. You might lose everything and you can't blame anyone. Don't blame anyone. It's all your fault. It's all your decision. Okay, so understand the risks involved. Then also learn about the protocol and the financial aspect. Okay, I think this is quite difficult, but at least read about it. At least try to understand and ask people, ask questions, go to the Discord, ask people. You can't just assume that some random person says that it's good, that's why it's good. You have to figure out what the protocol is. You have to figure out the financial aspect analysis of it. And lastly, understand the economics of the system. This is what I'm doing all the time. This is a, the entire purpose of this entire uh, YouTube channel, uh, this series, which is to understand, to explain and teach you the economics of all these different systems so that you can take in the knowledge to analyze and to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and what's a scam. So there is, it's very important for you to understand all these different aspects. This space is very risky. This space is not all rainbows and butterflies and showers of gold coins all the time there's ups there are ups and downs so you have to do your own due diligence you have to understand what's going on and you have to understand that there are a lot of risks involved if you are interested in more content like this please support us on patreon and on patreon other than get other than the things available i will also be sharing a lot of different analysis a lot of reports a lot of exclusive content only for subscribers and if you are interested in more of these learning things, please contact me as well because there is an online course available. If you go to education.economicsdesign.com, you can take on a 15-hour course of 10 different lessons. Till then, if you have any questions, just put them in the comments or ping me on Twitter and I'll see you next week with a lot more interesting things to talk about. Bye!